Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. So right now we are in the middle of some sort of crazy pandemic. And every once in a while, Carrie and I'll start chatting. And as we're chatting, Carrie will go, hey, we should do that as a podcast. And so right now we're going to do one of those. We had a partial phone conversation and we didn't really get to end our phone conversation with each of us sharing kind of our own thoughts. So today's topic is not one of our pre-planned podcast topics, but it's entirely Entirely about kind of, you know, where do we see things ending up? And so yep. we both have some different points of view. And hopefully this is not designed to scare people. This is not designed to really um, evoke a whole lot of discussion. Obviously, if you listen to it and you want to provide some feedback on either the Colorful Clipboard uh, Facebook page or on the Texas Director Facebook page or in one of our groups, we'd be happy to engage in conversation or if you want to jump into one of our Zoom calls, uh, if you don't know that Carrie is on uh, Zoom in, in her office um, for a couple of hours every day and will continue as long as we have child care centers out there providing services for essential workers. And we realize that you are the backbone of the essential workforce and that you don't always get that recognition. And so we want to continue to be there for you. So today I'm going to let Carrie kind of start and then we'll just kind of have a little conversation. Yeah, I mean, Kate and I are, I mean, we're both optimistic people. We're both glass half full people. We're entrepreneurs. We think that, you know, things are going to work out. But this is a global economic contracture, which means, you know, in the United States so far, 10 million people. Is that right? 10 million people? No, 3 million people. How many million people have applied for unemployment? Wasn't it 10 million with this last week's numbers? Something like that. It's an insane number, yes. So if we've got that many people who have lost their jobs and gotten through the systems that are overloaded, then that's 10 million people, many of whom probably were needed childcare services who no longer need childcare services. So even if just for the short term, that completely messes with so many childcare centers budgets, right? I mean, I think that can be said without a question. Absolutely. But it's not just the childcare center. So one of the conversations or as we were having this conversation initially, the question you actually asked me was, where did I see businesses economically when we come out of this? Yeah. And what do we think is going to happen in six months? Yeah. So, you know, my gut response is a lot of us who own a mom and pop or are self-employed kind of business, we are doing one of two things. We've either retired early, we've gotten a job, we are trying to figure out whether or not we have to file bankruptcy. But I think a lot of us are not going to come back the way we were when we closed our doors four weeks ago. And especially if you're a non-essential business. And so, or, or in a place where it just wasn't going to work for you. So even though child care in a lot of communities is considered an essential workforce, not every single child care center can afford to stay open. And so you may have had to share some of your clients with the neighboring child care center because maybe they had 50% that were essential workers and you had 10%. Well, and so but, it didn't make sense for you to stay and operate for five or six kids. I mean, even if you could, so in so many places that are allowing child care for essential workers, 
they're having the group size be so small that it's hard to make it work financially. So even if you're wanting to stay open because 50% of your clientele are essential, you've got a group of 10 kids. So I'm going to do it on the numbers in Texas of the most restrictive counties. So you have 10 children with one caregiver and that caregiver cannot leave that classroom. Well, if you're open for 12 hours a day, that doesn't work. Nobody can go 12 hours without having to go to the bathroom and having to eat, even if they could work a 12 hour shift, because we know people can because doctors and nurses do it, but they're able to go to the bathroom during that 12 hour shift. They're able to eat a sandwich (laughs) and in childcare, you can't do that, but they also don't want you to, to have different teachers rotate in so nobody can walk Watch that class while the teacher goes to the bathroom in the most strict counties. So that means you've got to have two or three teachers for that classroom because somebody has to be able to give the teacher a break to go to the bathroom and eat lunch. And so if you've got, if you're open at six o'clock, if you're open six to six, you've got somebody in there from six o'clock until, I don't know, say four o'clock, till 10 o'clock. And then they take, then they need to go to the bathroom because they've been working for four hours. And then the other teacher takes the classroom from say, 10 o'clock until two o'clock because now they have to go to the bathroom. Well, what do I do from two o'clock until six o'clock? Do I bring in a third teacher or does that morning teacher come back? How, how am I going to cover that? And so if I've got to pay three staff members part-time, do I have enough staff to do that who are willing to work and who don't have a health risk? I mean, and what does that look like? So, you know, I haven't run the numbers on it, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to. Well, I'm going to let you do that differently. Yeah, so we both have, you know, the things that we're looking at. And so because Carrie's on the phone with you guys uh, or on Zoom with you every single day, she is very aware of what's happening specifically with our child care centers. And I have clients that kind of span a variety of markets. And so I really am looking at uh, my prediction is that a lot of the businesses who are our current clients Um, are going to have to change what they look like and change how they operate if they can make it through. Now, clients of mine who've been clients for a long time who have taken my advice about making sure that they have emergency funds and that they have that backup money, uh, those who have immediately tried to figure out how they can slim down all their expenses, who were proactive in talking to their clients about paying at least half of their tuition so that they can try to make rent. You know, so I've got some programs that are going to be okay. I've got some programs that through all of this are going to go, I don't know if it's worth all that work. And again, that's okay. You know, regardless of where you fall on this spectrum, we want you to know that we completely understand. We have all been there for different reasons at different points in times in our life where you just have to go, I don't know if that's worth it. Carrie's had conversations with some registered family homes that have been kind of in that same, I don't know if this is worth it. Where I've had conversations with folks that are like, I don't know if I want a space again. I may just go back to having, you know, a registered family home and six kids at my house. I mean, so whatever your business looks like when this is done, I think it's going to, everything's going to change. Yeah. I mean, and, and then the question was, I mean, the question is, are we going to be able to continue to have small mom and pop programs that only have 50 kids? And are they going to be the same mom and pops that there are right now? Or are those centers going to close and then somebody else is going to buy their equipment from them and set up a new mom and pop? You know, I think that that's probably going to happen some, but I think a lot of people are going to be like, no, man, I'm not, 
the programs that weathered it, the programs that I know are weathering it are associated with churches and the church is waiving rent during this time, or they're programs that are licensed for 150 people and at least a third of them are still paying tuition. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard for us to, I mean, part of what the reason for this conversation is for you to kind of start to think, you've had a few weeks to kind of try to figure out what you can do. Um, and so for those of you who are planners and you need to be able to plan something, now's the time to start doing some real personal reflection and think about what you want to do. Because um, like Carrie mentioned, some of you may really decide that you want to buy and you want to expand and you really want to, to grow your network of businesses. Others of you may go, I, you know, I, I can't do my lease anymore. I've got to get out of my lease. So I'm going to be selling my equipment in the next 30 days. And there's program, you know, I think it's also people who are running programs in their houses right now. And they're like, you know, I have all of my eggs in one basket, because if I'm concerned about the health of my family, I can't have these people coming into my program and I have no other way to earn money. So they're like, I want to keep doing childcare. But when we come out of this, I want to rent a space because I don't want to have the danger coming into my house. I think, I think that's real viable also. Yeah. So as you can see, even Carrie and I, who have, you know, Gary's been in the industry longer than I have, but we've both been in the industry for over 20 years. And even we are going to tell you that there's going to be a lot of different ways this is going to work. And I'm going to look at it from all kinds of mom and pop businesses, the mom and pop restaurants, the mom and pop hair salon, the mom and pop everything. I mean, go look through the strip centers and I can tell you right now, your strip centers are going to be half full. You're going to, which means that the people who come to your program are going to change. Look at those major employers. I can't help but think that some major employers are going to come out of this and go, you know, do we really need as big a space as we've had? We've had everybody working from home. Would we be better off paying for everybody's, you know, high speed internet at their houses? Um, I think there's going to be some definite shifts. Um, Each community is going to be different. So whether you're in a major metro or a smaller community, um, I think that that taking a look at who are your clients, how many people really still need your service is going to be really hard for you as we roll out of this. And also how many people are going to need you full time? Because I think one of the things that has come out of this is if you've got two parents working full time at home, they don't need full time out of home care. They need part time out of home care because one parent can spend two two hours playing with the child in the morning because they're more of a night owl. And so they spend two hours in the morning and then they bring them to the essential worker child care. And then they work their eight hours. And then the other parent who started work at eight o'clock in the morning at their essential job, but that they're doing from home is able to be done at five o'clock uh, or is, you know, being done at four or five and can pick up earlier. So I think there's also going to be more of a demand for part-time care. Yeah. I think that comes back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about a little bit about you may have to reinvent what your program looks like um we we can't rule out that we may not see licensing numbers drastically change in the future we know that they have right now but what does that mean down the road you know when you know are they going to stay much different than what we're used to and how does that affect your budget 
And so, again, we're not trying to doom and gloom this conversation, but we do want you to think about um, who are the people who share your space. Uh, again, if you've got landlords, your landlords, they need paid too, right? Since they still have mortgages on their property. So everybody is in this together. It all depends on how we choose to uh, work through the, the current situation. But I mean, I think know, you- another thing that really, you know, that we didn't talk about when we were on the phone is the impact of programs programs of small businesses that are taking advantage of these loans from the federal government. Because if you had a slim margin to begin with, if you had a 10% margin, and so if you brought in $10,000, you had $1,000 left at the end of the month. So if you have a 10% margin, and then you take out a loan, and it's at four and a half percent, that's just taken the interest, not paying back the principal, just the interest has taken half of your margin. And I think that people are taking loans because they want to stay open, but it's so easy to take more in a loan than you need. I think a lot of people are going to do that because they're like, I don't have to pay it back for six months. Yeah, they don't have to pay it back for six months. Or if I pay my employees... I mean, I really do. I so respect and value every small business that wants to continue to employ their staff and keep their staff paid without having them do anything. Okay, so so I've got some concerns there, but I understand and I respect those small businesses. And I am glad that people have an option. But please make sure you do your homework. You think past what this is going to look like. Uh, be realistic. I mean, even when we get the, for lack of a better term, all clear and we get to go back to whatever our new normal is going to look like again it's not going to look like it did before so you know remember if you're if your regular budget um, is 80 percent of what your licensed capacity is for how long is it going to take you to get back to 80 percent and it's going to take a while it's i mean it's going to take probably at least a year for people to get back to that if- i mean especially depending on the type of clientele you have i mean if you're a school year program we know right now you're not going to see kids again until what maybe august right so you know that you're spring is gone. We have no idea what summers are going to look like for anybody. I would suspect that there's going to be a lot of families that are going to be like, hey, you know, let's go for a summer vacation. And so we might see the the small businesses that are related to the tourist industry bounce back sooner because I think people are going to need to get away. They want out of their dang house. (laughs) They're going to want to go someplace. And I think that there's a real opportunity for that industry to maybe see it's uh well but uh, maybe I even a see, spike in summer i could see I, I i could see summer camps also having a spike because parents are like okay cool i've done my time with my kids full time and pro you know so families that usually don't use summer camp maybe like cool you're going to summer camp and a lot of summer camp programs like at the scouting agencies and stuff like that have been shut down they're not right, taking, they're shutting down they're not taking right, reservations right so they're shut down for a couple of reasons and this is what you need to be aware of as a child care program if you are licensed for school age care or if you need to repurpose yourself and get licensed to school age care is how quickly can you staff that how quickly can you market and fill that and we have no idea if any of our numbers are going to change uh the reason that a lot of church and scouting organizations are canceling their summer programs is because of that big mystery because right now is when they normally hire and train their summer staff. Yep. So if you generally hire your summer staff in the month of April and train them in the month of May to start programs in June, and you can't do that because you can't go 
get those college kids because they're not on campus, right? And so all the things you would normally be doing, you can't do. So they have, instead of on the, maybe we'll go ahead and hire these people because we might have something for them in June. I mean, do we? We really don't know. We yeah. have no they idea keep when the world's going to be, they keep extending quote unquote, the, back to normal. The stay at home orders, you know, it was going to be 15 days and now it's six weeks. And they're saying maybe we've seen a little bit of a flattening of the curve, but you would think by three weeks in, we would know if we're flattening the curve at all. And they're saying, not really. We haven't seen substantial. Well, but we also don't know. I mean, my problem with a lot of that is that we don't really know because we weren't testing and we still aren't testing everybody. So we really don't have an idea. We have the, the increased number of reported cases. Well, that's because all of a sudden, those are the people that go to the hospital. I mean, we know there are huge numbers of COVID probably positive COVID people who are getting through this virus at home. Uh, You know, the numbers actually say that roughly 80% of the people who get COVID don't require hospitalization. So we're only talking about the 20% that require hospitalization are really the only ones we know. Right. Yeah, we have a few others that are getting tested that are still getting better at home. But And we've got the president now apparently getting tested every time he meets new people. Yeah, let's just not go there okay (laughs) but i mean there are people who are who are getting tested and are staying negative even though they're coming into contact there are healthcare, you know there are hospitals that are routinely testing their doctors and you know i'm so glad that they are but i wish more of them were doing it yeah well and that comes back to being able to identify antibodies and have you already been um exposed and what did your exposure look like uh you know we know this as child care workers with kids with chicken pox right so we have kids with chicken pox who are exposed, the whole family has chicken pox. You have one kid that breaks out and looks like nothing big, a great big old chicken pox. And then you got one kid that's got four. So we don't know how COVID is as another virus, how that's going to play out. And we know that there are probably a fairly large percentage of the population who are going to be exposed, have been exposed, but may have developed the antibody kind of like uh, a small case of chicken pox that, you know, ended up being immune to, to chicken pox because they had three. Yeah, because I mean, head to toe. according to my family, I've never had chicken pox. I've been exposed six times and I've never broken out as an adult. So presumably either I'm part of the small percentage of the human population that is naturally immune or I had chicken pox and nobody in my family noticed. <laughs> I'm going with that one. I've met your family. Uh- <laughs> And, and again, you know, depending on where you are in the country, you know, it, it, it's 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 a nasty allergy season in Central Texas. And so I am sure there are people out there, you know, uh, literally hacking up a lung and they aren't thinking anything about it because it's the time of year they always do that because it's allergy season. And, you know, they're taking their mucinex and they're doing what they're doing. And, and it may be allergies or it may be not. So yep. anyway, you know, um, we don't know where when this is going to end. We want you to start thinking through your different viable options. Um, Again, this might be a great reason to pick up the phone or jump in Zoom and have a conversation because you may not want to to have this conversation with your staff. You may not want to have this conversation with a significant other. Uh, We're here for you to have some of those conversations. We want you to be realistic. Um, Think about your future budgets, current budgets. Uh, We don't want you to have to file bankruptcy. We don't want you to have to go into debt. We understand that you do this because you love what you do, but we want you to come out of this not hating what you do. Yeah. And I would personally rather you file for bankruptcy if your landlord won't let you out of a lease and you want it and you 
feel like you can't stay, then take out loans so that you can get out of your lease because your landlord won't let you go. I mean, there's lots of those kinds of things that I think because Kate and I have been around for so long, we've seen people do things that are in their long-term worst interest. Don't take out a loan so you can pay off a lease that you're not going to use. Don't do that. Don't well, and, do that. And if you weren't sure, if you have any question, that's even, even that's even more of a reason for you to think this through. So, you know, and it, it, wearing another hat, I've actually had to do this. And I actually jumped out of my lease within the first two weeks of all of this because I knew there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to get things back and, and get an income stream in time to be doing other than, and I wasn't going to take out a loan just to be able to pay my rent if it was going to take me three, four, five months to get back to normal. And uh, and make, every, everybody's got their own version of back to normal, but yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. And, and make sure that you have those conversations if you're going to have those conversations with an ask. So I have, I've, I'm a landlord in my other life and we had one tenant who, when we said, if anybody's having any problems, please reach out to us. We're willing to work with people. And the letter we got back was, I won't be continuing my lease. You can show it eventually once I get my stuff out, which did not work for us because she was telling, she wasn't asking, and she had a legal responsibility to stay there until December and pay us rent through December. We had another person who said, I'm so glad you reached out. I actually broke my arm the week before, and so I'm going to be out for a while. Is there a way that I can pay reduced rent for two months? And we said, absolutely. So (laughs) two people who were affected by COVID in the same building got two radically different answers because of how they put it. Well, and a lot of that comes back to you being real honest with your landlord and making sure that you have done your due diligence. Have you worked your budget? Have you called all your different vendors? You know, what are you doing? Also make sure that if you are one of those people who have applied and accepted some of these federal loans, make sure you're aware of what all that requires. Um not only, you know, how many people do you have to have employed? Is it all of your staff? Is it your full-time staff? Um, and, and, you know, with that, do you necessarily have to have your space? Because uh, maybe you're going to reopen in a different location. Uh, does your lease give you a 30-day out? So I was lucky that my lease gave me a 30-day out. Um, so I didn't have that. I didn't have the requirement to be there till the end of August. Um, I did have a 30-day out option in my, and in my lease. And again, because there are so many churches that are being hit financially by this because they're not being able to have Sunday services and so they're not passing plates or religious organizations, same for synagogues, same for temples, you know, they're being hit financially. So they're looking for ways to diversify their revenue stream. And like I said, if you can move your location, now is a pretty decent time to do it. So you might look at if there's a place where you can do some sharing of space. And again, religious organizations are, are good places for that. And then you're not having to cover all of the rent for that space because they're using it other days. And, you know, I think that might be a win-win situation. I think I think there's going to be a rise in that six months from now. There's going to be more Absolutely. programs that are sole proprietorships or LLCs that are run out of churches. So not just well, the church-based gonna... programs, but also programs that are renting from churches. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of people sharing space. And so, um, and if you're in a community where this is not normally done, now's a good time to start those 
those conversations. So if you are a, a sole proprietor and you run a childcare center and you have a neighbor or a friend who runs a fitness studio or a dance studio or a yoga studio, you know, all of you maybe need to go talk to the to some of the local faith-based organizations and see if perhaps there isn't a way that maybe you all can at least talk about something through the end of the year because they're going to need help and you need help and they use that space usually a couple of times a week if it's if they don't already have their own school or program so or uh, or talk to landlords who are now looking at huge amounts of vacancy in their strip centers and figuring out okay if we added two more doors to this storefront that is currently a child care center if we or added two more doors then it could also we could subdivide the space and the dance studio could use it the karate you know and it could be yep. the multi-purpose room for the child care center and it could be uh, a martial arts studio three days a week and it could be a dance studio four days a week that Absolutely. could be done and yeah and, and just think of the number of places and i'm sure that if you drive around as a child care center you look at places jazzercise studios and karate studios that aren't using that space during the day so uh this is not something you can do quick it requires time and right now everybody's probably a lot more open to some of this than they had been in the past now's the time to go out and get to know your neighbors so on that even though we weren't sure this was going to be a really long uh podcast we have managed to make it 29 minutes <laughs> and um now i'm sure marie's going to edit it and she's going to laugh because i'm now going to tell you that she's going to edit it down to probably 24 uh but anyway <laughs> um it's been uh, kind of a, a fun topic i think for us hopefully it's given you some things to think about and know that if you need anything we're here for you yep reach out at any time we're here to support you we've been through economic downturns not for reasons like this but we've been through them and this business is considered recession proof but that is presuming you're taking good business practice thank you for listening to colorful clipboards Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.